So last week, as everyone's turning there, let me get my pointer out. <clears throat> this is where we are chronologically in our study of history. <clears throat> we have gone to here. Abraham has had Isaac. You remember, God tempted Abraham. And I hope everyone, if you're not here during the week, I hope you're catching up, you know, online so uh, you're caught up with us. But God tempted Abraham or tested Abraham. Uh, there's a difference between temptations. When the devil tempts someone, he's doing it trying to get them to do wrong. When God tests someone, he's doing it uh, wanting them to do right. So there's a different motive there. <clears throat> but uh, God never tempts anyone to do wrong, of course. So uh, he said, Abraham, sacrifice your son. And uh, of course, the savior of the world is supposed to come through Isaac. And, but Abraham believed God. He believed that God would even raise Isaac from the dead. But remember, how did God deliver Isaac? He delivered him through what? Huh? How did God deliver Isaac from that being sacrificed? Oh, he provided the through a goat. Yeah. Through a ram. Yeah. yeah. And, or, or theologically, or doctrinally, through an innocent substitute. Yes. That took his place. Okay. Uh, so now, Isaac, in today's lesson, is all grown up. We've got to get the nation, right? We've got to get this nation coming from Abraham. So we've got to move forward in history. Isaac is all grown up now. And so uh, let's see what takes place. If we're, we're going to be here today in our chronological chart, this gives you an idea historically on our timeline about where we are between 2000 and 1500 BC. All right? Now, look here, if you would, in verse 19, Genesis 25, verse 19. And these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begat Isaac. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife. So Isaac's married now. He has a wife named Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Pedanaram, the sister to Laban, the Syrian. And once again, very detailed records. Verse 21, And Isaac entreated her, that is, he asked the Lord for his wife, because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children, notice children, not child, struggle together within her and she said if it be so why am i thus and she went to inquire of the lord in other words she's conceived she has a child there's a whole lot of extra movement in there going on and uh, uh so she says if i'm supposed to have a child why is there all this extra movement in here i hope everything's okay so she goes and talks to the lord about it verse 23 and the lord said to her two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels, and the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. And so we have a woman here, and in her womb, you have two children, they're brothers, they're twin brothers, but they're going to be two totally different nations, okay? two different races of people, if you would. We're still in Genesis. We're still early on in the human race. And so you have two different nations coming from you. But here's the important part. 
two nations and what? Two what? Two people. Two people. Uh, two. What? Read it. Two races. Read it. Two peoples. Two people. Two men all yeah. people. What version do you have? What translation do you have? Uh, it's New King. New King James. All right. Well, in King James, two manner of people. When it says two peoples, that's what it's talking about. All right. Two manners of people. Huh? It's two manners of people. It's two manners of people. Yeah. Uh, two people groups is what it's saying. Okay. And uh, so I don't mind anyone have a different translation. I do, but it, sometimes it helps that they're ones that got the same words in front of them. But two peoples are two manner of peoples. We're going to put people groups. Okay, how about that? So what we're looking at here, if you'll remember, going back to Cain and Abel, they were two brothers, yet they belonged to two nations, and they were two manner of people. One was a believer, came to God by faith, according to God's promise of the Savior to come. The other did not. They belonged to two different nations, two different kingdoms. One belonged to the kingdom of God, the other belonged to the kingdom of this world. Or, or the woman's seed and the serpent's seed, however you want to put it. Everybody can be reduced down to this. Everybody in this world belongs to one of two nations and are one of two different type of people. They either belong to the kingdoms of this world or they belong to the kingdom of God. And they're either coming to God based on their faith in the salvation that he provided or they're not. They're coming some other way or not coming at all. Everyone's divided into those two categories. Everyone in here is in one of those two categories right now. We're all born outside the kingdom of God in unbelief. And through the preaching of the gospel, we can be born again into the kingdom of God by our faith in the salvation he's provided. Make sense? One of these boys is going to belong to the kingdom of this world. He's going to be an unbeliever. And uh, so far as we can tell, and he definitely represents unbelievers in Scripture. And the other is going to belong to the kingdom of God. He's going to be a believer. Okay? And it says the elder shall serve the younger. How was it with Cain and Abel? Who was first, Cain or Abel? Huh? Cain was the oldest. Who ended up being victorious in the earth and with his God? Abel. Cain killed Abel. Yeah. Abel's in heaven. <laughs> Cain's in hell. Abel will be raised from the dead and live forever. Cain will not. So uh, it's not what we're learning today is it's not our earthly position. It's not our physical advantages or disadvantages <clears throat> that make us victorious with God that cause us to succeed in life. It's our position in the kingdom of God. Whether or not we come to God by faith 
accept the salvation he's provided. That's what makes us successful in life and nothing else. And so we see that here once again. If you'll look here now, um, verse 24. Yet when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. Here we've got a burly, hairy, uh, red face. He may have had red hair. I don't know. I mean, this guy looked like some kind of Viking, and uh, uh, and he's all hairy. All right, manly kind of man. Now let's go ahead and look here at verse twenty-six. His name is Esau. All right, the first one. Verse 26, and after that came out his brother in his hand, that his little baby's hand took hold on Esau's heel. You know how babies, when they have some touch of their hand, they automatically have that, that gripping reflex. Well, he grabbed hold of Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob, which basically means hill catcher. Uh, and Isaac was three score years old when she bare them. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field. He was an outdoorsman. You have seen him on the on the hunting catalogs and stuff. You know, he was the one that was always out first day of deer season. It was deer season all year long back then. A man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. Jacob was more of a sophisticated indoorsman, a mama's boy. Esau was a daddy's boy. And uh, that's just the way they were. Verse 28. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. I told you, one was a mama's boy, the other was a daddy's boy. And Jacob saw that her bowl of pottage, he was cooking some stew. And Esau came from the field, and he was faint. All right, so here we go. Jacob is cooking some stew. Esau, he's been out hunting. Uh, apparently hasn't caught anything. He's faint. He's weary. He wants something to eat. He's coming in from the field and he smells that stew cooking uh, that his brother's cooking. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with some of that red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore his name was called Edom, red. And so, uh, so he says, Hey, brother, how about you give me a bowl of that stew you're cooking there. Man, I'm starving to death. So let's look and see what Jacob did. Jacob was always looking out for himself. And Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. So let me explain that just a little bit. Going back to Cain and Abel, if you'll remember, God told Cain back in the day, he said, if, if you'll do right, won't you also be accepted? And unto you will be his that is able's desire, and you'll rule over him. Being the firstborn, they had an advantage in the family. The advantage of the birthright, all right? Let's put birthright up here. Birthright. The order of birth gave them a right. And basically back then, they would get a double portion of the inheritance of the father's inheritance. Okay? They would have honor, they would have standing in the family, and they would get a double portion 
of the father's inheritance. That was their right by birth as being the firstborn. Esau had that right by birth. Jacob did not. And Jacob thinks, my brother's hungry. My brother isn't the sharpest traitor in the world. He knew his brother. Uh, and he said, uh, I tell you what, I'll give you a bowl of soup. Just sell me your birthright for this bowl of soup. I give you a bowl of soup, and uh, I get your birthright. That's cold blood. Huh? That's cold blood. <laughs> pretty rough, isn't it? Yeah. And you would think that Esau would say, are you crazy? No way. But let's see how Esau uh, did this. Verse 32. And Esau said, Behold, I'm at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? Man, I'm starving to death. What good is this birthright going to do me? Well, he wasn't starving to death, as it was. He would have made it, you know. But right then, the only thing he could think about was filling his belly with food. So I want you to see the two manner of people here that God was talking about, the two different people groups God was talking about. Was Jacob right? Yeah, no, Jacob wasn't right. Was Esau right? No, Esau wasn't right. Both the boys were wrong. But I want you to notice what separated these two boys. And this is what's important. Even though this is a physical, historical lesson, it's teaching us a great big spiritual truth, okay? So one boy, Jacob, is he thinking about the present or the future? The future. If he gives Esau this bowl of soup, that's one less bowl of soup that he can eat in the present, right? That means he's going to have to cook quicker again than he thought he would. The, 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 the pot of soup that he's cooking is not going to last him as long in the near future. But the birthright is going to last him the rest of his life in the distant future, right? So Esau is someone who's thinking in the present to prepare for the future. Esau is just the opposite. He's someone who is thinking in the present only for the present in disregarding, he's doing it at the expense of his future. People do the same thing today. They live in the present and they disregard their future. How do I feel today? What do I need today? What's going to make me happy today? They're materialistic. They're, they're just providing for their present physical needs, their present physical happiness, and they're not preparing for their future welfare. And that's the difference between these two boys. A lot of people cannot see beyond the nose of their face. I was talking to a, uh, a man one time that uh, I worked uh, security at, uh, uh, off-duty security at this the telemarketing place up in Arlington. Uh, I, I don't know if they're still telemarketing people now, but boy, back then they were. And uh, there was this receptionist there that had a daughter. He was an unbeliever. And uh, he was talking about his, his little girl. 
And I tried to take that time as he was talking about his girl to try to talk to him about the Lord. And I said, let me ask you about your daughter. Because he was really excited to talk about his daughter. He loved her. And I said, what are your plans for her? What do you hope for her? What would you like to see her you know, become? You know, How are you planning for her future? He said, well, I'd like to see her grow up and, and uh, do well in school and, and graduate high school. I said, what about after that? He said, well, he said, maybe if she wants to, maybe go to college or you know, get her a good career doing something. I said, what about after that? Well, he's kind of looking at me like I'm strange. He said, well, he said, uh, maybe have a family, raise some kids, and grow up and enjoy life. I said, what about after that? And he starts getting quiet. I said, eventually that life's going to come to an end. What about after that? Now, I was trying to let him know, you need to be helping that girl prepare for her distant future. I have a saying that I came up with uh, uh, back when I was searching for truth. And I was asking God to show me what the truth was. And it is this. I come to the conclusion that eternity is a long time to be wrong. <laughs> you know, it's a long time to be wrong. And I wanted to know the truth. And I wanted to be prepared because I knew for a fact he didn't know if his girl was going to go to school. He didn't know if she was going to have a career from college or something. He didn't know if she would ever have a child or ever get married or have a family. But there's one thing he knew, and there's one thing we all know, and that is we're all going to die. And we better be prepared for the future. And not just that. You, you can't live for the... You can't have a future... Or rather, you can't enjoy the present if you don't know your future. You've got to have an expected end. And so Jacob was preparing, at least in this lifetime, for the future. He had the right mindset. He went about the wrong way. But he had the right mindset in the sense that he wasn't taking something with, with long-term value. That's what Esau had. He had something with long-term value. And he traded it for short-term Fleeting experience. Watch this now. Verse 33. And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him. So he made an oath. And he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, that is, bean soup. And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. What, is it, what does another translation say? Despise. Anything else? I think hate. Hate? Yeah. Is that what it says? Oh. No, no. What does it say? When it says despise, <coughs> you have New King James. You say despise as well? Yeah. When it says despise, ma'am? Test of spirituality. I'm sorry? Um, I don't know. A possible test of his spirituality. Let me see what you're doing. Where is it? Well, and Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage and lentils, and he did eat and drink and went his way. Yeah, it says despise. He despises his birthright. Yeah, the new, new King James yeah. says despise. Yeah. Okay, so what it means is this. 
It didn't mean he didn't want his birthright. It didn't mean he didn't like his birthright. It meant he did not value his birthright and see it for the value that it was really worth. The Bible says, Jesus, the promised Savior says, or he asked this question, what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If you could have the whole world and lose your own soul, what good would, what profit would it be to you? If you could get everything and then lose your own soul in the end, that's no good. What good is it if we have possessions today and we perish tomorrow? And so the Bible here is trying to teach us to value the things that last rather than the things that fade away. Your status in the community is one day going to mean nothing. Statues that used to mean something have now been torn down or removed. Nothing, you know, uh, there was an old saying, uh, This uh, I forgot who this person was, but someone said that uh, when they were uh, young in school and they would have these junior high or high school drama fits, you know, that something seemed so terrible at the time. There was one teacher that always kept things real, and they said, well, in, in a 50 years, no one will care. You know, it's true. 50 years, who's going to care? And uh, so in 50 years, who's going to care? In 100 years, who's going to care? What you're doing now, in 100 years from now, what will it matter? And so... Uh, he despises his birthright. God has given us the promise of eternal life. God has given us the ability to have a relationship with Him, to know Him through His Son that He sent, and to be able to overcome death and live forever. And not just live forever in the future, but live for a purpose today in the present. And people every day despise that birthright, so to speak. It's a birthright to us in the sense that the Bible says, to as many as received him, and then gave he the power, the right to become the sons of God. It's afforded to every one of us. But so many people know there's a Bible, know there's a God, and yet wake up, yawn on Sunday morning and say, let's go fishing. Who cares? Let's not worry about that. Let's just think about today. And it's the foolish way to think. All right, so let's uh, let's move on here now. Jacob and Esau grew up, and what we want to do is uh, is fast forward to Jacob. Uh, if you look down in chapter twenty-seven, Genesis chapter twenty-seven. And it came to pass, verse 1, And it came to pass that when Isaac was old, and his eyes were dim, so that he could not see, he called Esau, his eldest son, and said unto him, My son, and he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold now, I am old, I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver, and thy bow, and go out to the field, and take me some venison. Go shoot me a deer, and make me savory meat, such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, 
bring me venison and make me savory meat that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord before my death. Isaac wanted to bring a blessing upon his son. Uh, and and having, the, having the blessing given to him by Abraham, uh, he figured he would pass perhaps this blessing down to Esau. Okay? And, uh, but that's not going to happen. Let's watch. Remember, God said that elders shall serve the younger. So let's watch. <laughs> now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock and fetch me from thence two kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father that he may eat, and that he may bless thee before his death. So here's the thing. The old switcheroo. Isaac calls his big burly son Esau in. One who can't think beyond the nose of his face, but he's a man's man. And daddy's proud of him. He calls me and he says, Son, I want to bless you. He said, Go go shoot me a deer and make me some of that deer uh, that you uh, make for me that I love so much. And I'm going to lay my hands on I'm going to pass a blessing down upon you. Esau goes out in the field. He gets his quiver and his bow and and uh, meanwhile, here comes Rebecca. Isaac, I just heard your daddy send Esau out in the field. He's going to bless him. Hurry up. Go get a couple of goats. Dress them. I'll, I'll, I'll make meat the same way that Esau does. And you can take that meat into Esau because he, he can't see anymore. And I mean, you can take that meat into your daddy and he'll bless you instead of Esau. You'll think it's Esau. That's the plan. That's the scheme. Talk about a dysfunctional family. Well, right? Rebecca sounds crooked, man. It is crooked. <laughs> now let's look. Verse 11, And Jacob said to Rebekah's mother, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I'm a smooth man. In other words, man, if he touches me, he'll know the difference. My father, peradventure, in verse 12, My father, peradventure, will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me, and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son. Only obey my voice, and go fetch me them. And he went and fetched, and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory meat, such as his father loved. And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau. She got some of her uh, Esau's clothes, which were in with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids, the kids meaning the goats, uh, of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck. She put the goat skin up here that had the hair on it. Oh, that's cool. On his hands, on his neck, in case he felt of them, got Esau's clothes on. Talk about a masquerade now. Wow. <laughs> Verse 17, And she gave the savory meat and the bread which she had prepared in the hand of her son Jacob. And he came unto his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I. Who art thou, my son? But who is this? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I am Esau, thy firstborn. And I have done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, seat, sit, and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And how did you get that deer so quick in here? And he said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. Now he's blaming it on God. Well, God bless me. God's all in this. Yeah, just eat. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. 
And Jacob went near to Isaac, his father. He's probably scared about this time. And he felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not because his hands were hairy as his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said, art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. <laughs> and he said, bring it nearer to me and I will eat of my son's venison that my soul may bless thee. He brought it near to him, and he did eat, and he brought him wine, and he drank. And his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now, and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his raiment, that the clothes that she put on, and blessed him, and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of the field which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore God give thee of the dew of heaven, and the fatness of the earth, and plenty of corn and wine, let people serve thee, and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren, and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be every one that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee, which is the same thing God told Abraham. I'll bless him that blessed thee, and curse him that cursed thee. Verse 30, And it came to pass, as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob, and Jacob was scarce or hardly gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. <coughs> and he also had made savory meat and brought it unto his father and said unto his father, Let my father rise and eat of his son's venison that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac, his father, said unto him, Who art thou? And he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that hath taken venison and brought it me and have eaten of all before thou camest and have blessed him? Yea, and he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. And he said, Thy brother came with subtlety and hath taken away thy blessing. Now, Esau is going to be pretty hot. Esau wants to kill his brother now. And Esau is weeping uh, and... Uh, and uh, now he's uh, really, really upset. Let's go ahead and uh, read a little bit more. He says, uh, verse 37, And Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him thy Lord, and all his brethren have I given to him for service. And with corn and wine have I sustained him. And what shall I do now unto thee, my son? And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even also, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And Isaac, his father, answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven above, from above. And by thy sword shalt thou live and shalt serve thy brother. And it shall come to pass, when thou shalt have the dominion, that thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother. Jacob. Wow. Alright, so in other words, I'll mourn my father, I'll bury him, I'll take good care of him, whatever, and uh, I'm going to kill my brother for this. So what does Rebecca do? Uh, Rebecca is going to send uh, Jacob away, and uh, Jacob is going to go away, run, hide, get him a wife, and uh, hopefully um, uh, escape Jacob and everything will be okay. So Jacob is running away now. 
And now the, the two boys are going to be separated from each other. Chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28, please. Genesis chapter 28. As Jacob's running away, here's what happens. Verse 11. Genesis 20, He lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and laid down, and laid down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. So here's Jacob. Running from his brother Esau. Doesn't have a tent. Doesn't have a pillow. Fear of his life. Out here in the middle of the woods or whatever, he always got some stones to put to brace his head up for a pillow. And he dreams. And in this dream, there's a ladder that's set up on the earth. Let's look at this now. And the top of it reached to heaven. Here's God in heaven. It's on the earth, and the top reaches all the way to heaven. Look here now. Verse 12. And behold, the angel of God ascending and descending on it. You had angels going down the ladder. You had angels going up the ladder. You have a nice bridge between earth and God, between God and man. And angels are going up and down it uh, as uh, conveying God's blessings, going up and down this ladder, and us going to God, God coming down to man, however you want to put it. It goes, the ladder goes both ways. The ladder unites earth and God. So let's look here. Verse uh, 13. And behold, the Lord stood above it. That is, the Lord's above the ladder. That's so why I put God up here. And said, I'm the Lord, uh, God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it into thy seed. So who is the promise of Isaac getting passed down to? Jacob. Not Esau. Jacob was a sinner just like Esau. But Jacob at least cared about the future. He was a different type of person. He was a sinner. But he cared about the future. Nothing to see here, folks. <laughs> he cared about the future. And God's going to pass this down to Jacob, and he's going to make Jacob a whole different person. Okay? Apologize for that. There we go. That should hold it for now. So he promises to give him that land. Look here now in verse uh, 14. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. He's given him the same promise he gave Abraham, his grandfather. And thou shalt spread abroad to the west, into the east, into the north, and the south, and in thee, and in thy seed shall all fam the families of the earth be blessed. There's the promise of the coming Savior. 
The curse is going to be removed. The blessing is going to be restored. It's going to come through you and your seed. All right? Now, why would God give him this promise? And while giving him this promise, put a ladder up there that connects heaven and earth. Because the basis of that promise, God's favor to man and man's ability to come to God is going to be based on this ladder. The promise of the blessing coming and all the families of the earth being blessed is going to come to that ladder. Who does that ladder represent? Yeah. The same token where there was a lamb that was slain represents the coming Savior. The rainbow represents the coming Savior. The ladder represents the coming Savior. Our sins separate us from God. It's a division. They can't, we can't reach God. We can't be connected to God because of our sin. But God is going to make a way for man and God to be united together again in only one way. There was only one ark. There is only one ladder. Now, real quick, I don't, I know we're running a little behind, but real quick, let me give you a Bible verse. In the New Testament, John chapter 1, verse 51. Let me just read it to you, unless you have, you get to it on your phone real quick. John 1 51. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God. Ascending and descending on the Son of Man. In other words, I'm Jacob's ladder. You're going to see the angels of God ascending and descending on me. I'm the one that's going to bridge the gap between God and man, the promised Savior. So with all that said, Jacob is now the one through whom the promised Savior will come. Real quick, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. And we'll start there with his name being changed to Israel next week. 